On today's show, should you spread yourself across each of your clients' project management tools, or should you make them join yours? It's a question Taylor's facing as she grows her business. We spoke with Taylor about a year ago, and things are going great, but she works with so many clients now, and they each have their own preferred project management tool. So should she keep going from tool to tool to tool, or make her clients join a single platform which she manages? We'll discuss that and lots more on today's episode of Freelance to Founder. I'm Preston. And I'm Clay. And this is Freelance to Founder. Clay and I have both been there, barely making ends meet as a freelancer, knowing there has to be more. But since then, we've each built multiple six or seven figure businesses. And now it's your turn. On this show, we're changing the lives of everyday freelancers just like you. Discovering this podcast a few months ago really like changed the trajectory of my journey. I'm not sure I would even be thinking about pushing this forward as much as I am if it weren't for YouTube. This has been really helpful and I, I think a good mindset shift for me. Really, really valuable stuff. I've made a ton of notes and I plan to put this stuff into action immediately. Discovering that I'm a founder instead of freelancer has been amazing for me. If you're ready to push past hourly rates and build a business that sets you free, then you've got to join us. You can call in yourself by visiting freelance2founder.com. We can't wait to chat with you. We'll be back with today's caller after this. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules restrictions apply. When you wake up in the morning and check your phone, does it feel like this or like this? Because with Shopify, your morning can feel like this way more often. That's the sound of a sale being made on your new Shopify store. And while client payments may require weeks or months of work, you can start generating a semi-passive income to grow your business by setting up a Shopify store all of your own. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your latest designs on shirts or bags or adding something totally different to your business, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. You can sell online, you can sell in person, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. With Shopify, you can set up your store in minutes and start selling immediately. And Shopify's award-winning support is there to help you as you go. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash freelance. That's all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash freelance to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash freelance or click the link in our show description and start waking up to this. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Freelance to Founder. My name is Preston Lee with Milo.co and joining me on the air today, as always, is my friend Clay Mosley from GetDripify.com. Hey, Clay. 
Hello, hello. 2024. Here That's right, are. man. That's right. Of course, you've heard a few episodes this year from us already, but this is the first episode we're recording. So happy new year, everybody. Uh, and happy new year to our guest who's calling in today, Taylor. Uh, Taylor's been on the show before, uh, but we're excited to have you back, Taylor. Welcome to the show. Hi, I'm excited to be back. We're so excited that you're here. Why don't you, so it's been uh, close to a year, maybe 10 months or so since we spoke last, and we'll be sure to link to Taylor's previous episode in the show notes of this episode. But Taylor, why don't you give us a quick reminder, and the listeners especially, a quick reminder uh, about what, what kind of business you're running and how's it, how it's going. Yeah, so I am um, running a ghostwriting services, basically focusing on LinkedIn content for business leaders, entrepreneurs, founders, and that has changed a bit since I came on. So when I originally came on last year, uh, I was still kind of trying to figure out my lane, so to speak. Uh, I was doing a little one-off writing and editing clients, um, doing a little bit of social media work, and so the past like six, seven months, I've been really focusing on how to, you know, narrow down my services and, um, yeah, basically build, build a business around that. I love that because we have so many guests come on who are like, oh, you know, do I need to find my niche or how soon should I niche down? Mm -hmm. I'm curious, did you, did you like decide that was going to be a niche that you were going to pursue or did you kind of fall into that or not really fall into it, but like, you started to have more clients and then maybe they sent you referrals and you're like, I like this kind of work and I'm good at it. How did it happen for you? Uh, kind of all of the above, to be honest. I think that is like the hardest thing that I've had to figure out. And it was never like an overnight kind of realization, but I've just been refining it over and over again. Um, but I did kind of try to figure out, um, you know, A, what kind of topics I was interested in writing about and learning about. And so I naturally gravitated towards, you know, business, investing, things like that, topics that business leaders are interested in. Um, and then, you know, really when I started to brainstorm, what could I focus on? Um, I looked back at my track record of who I had worked with previously and some like common threads. And I was like, oh, like there's my niche right there. You know, like there's some patterns here that I can just kind of cobble together and focus on that specifically. Yeah, I love that. And so so tell us who who's like kind of your key client right now. You're doing a lot of business investing content, but like who, if you could describe your perfect client, who is that? Yeah, I would say my perfect client would be um, some kind of like early stage entrepreneur, someone that is kind of new to, to running a business or maybe they started a startup, something like that. Um, and they really need to kind of create their personal brand and start to get the word out there. And they just don't have the time or the resources to um, even really think about LinkedIn content. Um, and so that's kind of I found the sweet spot for me. Yeah. I'm curious, are you running up against any issues with AI content? Like, I was going to ask that too. Um, I know a lot of people who are like, man, I didn't used to have time to do this, but now I just, you know, I put a prompt into my favorite AI tool or whatever, and it, and it spits out pretty good stuff for LinkedIn. Yeah. I mean, I think that is the big elephant in the room for any kind of like content service right now. Um, and I have been thinking a lot about how even like I incorporate it into my systems to, you know, be efficient, things like that. But I've basically sided on um, the approach that like, I think that 
actually AI strengthens the need for having, um, you know, like a human storyteller um, aspect to your content. Mm. And so I have basically yeah. used that as a way that I want to um, make my services stand out because you can clearly see when people, you know, copy paste chat GPT content. And I think as it gets more, um, you know, common to use that, I think people are going to get tired of it. And so you want something that stands out and you need that kind mm -hmm. of human element to your content. Um, so yeah, so I've just basically used that to make it a selling point actually for my services. Yeah. yeah. You can, you can spot it. Cause I, I told my wife the other day, I said, I was looking at somebody's post and I'm like, she read all the <laughs> chat GBT. I know she did. Yeah. Cause you could tell. Yeah. And the more that, the more that you, you use chat GBT, like I use it for purposes of trying to understand it when I now edit other people's content. I, I, you just know it's so, you know, it's like, it's so clear to tell, um, what's just bad, bad GPT writing. <laughs> you know what I've really liked is I've experimented with it a, a little bit is, um, like Clay and I will have a conversation and then I'll actually upload the transcript of our conversation and, and ask, I actually use a tool called Claude, which is like ChatGPT, but I think it's a little bit better and, uh, it'll, yeah, it'll like get our voice and our nuance and it'll sort of. We can, we can convert like a conversation into a blog post, which is kind of fun um, or into like social media content or something. I, it's, it is definitely going to be interesting because I think it's going to fraction out. It's kind of like, um, so web, so Clay and I are, are both sort of in the web business, right? And I remember there was that moment when like, when like Wix and Squarespace and I don't know, all the other, they like started, right? Really being very, very popular. And it was either you could hire a web designer or you could use one of these tools, and the tool still takes time to use, right? And, and that's the same with ChatGPT. Like you still have to learn how it works. You have to get in there. You have to add prompts in. You have to edit it. Like all the stuff still has to happen around it. Um, and also like some people are just always going to pick that route and that's fine. But there are always going to be people who want a more high touch, high quality, you know, more human feel to their work. So I, I agree it's going to change things, but like I, I don't know if it's going to put you out of business anytime soon. Right. I agree. Like, I think it's just like a tool in the toolbox. And if I can, um, you know, find a way to, to make my, the work that I produce, like my bar of the work is like, make this better than what chat GPT can produce. And if that is still the case, then I'm okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I found that I think this is especially relevant to people listening to this, but for freelancers specifically, I found it to be like chat GPT to be a really good sounding mm -hmm. board. You know, whenever you need to brainstorm, because like as a freelancer, you're by yourself. You know, it's really hard to bounce ideas off of somebody when you have nobody to bounce mm. ideas mm -hmm. off of. And so that's what that's what I use it for. You know, it's like, you know, I, hey, I need a list of ABC. Can you give me some ideas? And then it's just it's just a starting mm -hmm. point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or like um, I'll, I'll upload again, like a transcript or a series of blog posts. And I'll say, like, I wrote all of these. Tell me other things I could write about. Or I had these podcast conversations. Tell me what I could write about or what would make a good social media mm. post, right? And then, yeah, it's it's helping doing some of the ideation, but not, not necessarily the, the content creation. I love that because then you keep the human element, but it speeds up your process a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. 
If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's gonna wanna take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs, and did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. Well, Taylor, let's talk about uh, how your business is doing then. Uh, you know, when you were here before, you said you were at a one, you'd like to be at a four. Listeners know that we work on this freelancer to founder scale, freelancer being a one, 10 being a founder. Um, where are you at currently and and how, how are you feeling about like the last year of, of your business in terms of how much growth you were sort of envisioning or wanting? Do you feel like you've achieved that? Do you feel like you're ahead of, ahead of where you wanted to be, maybe a little behind where you wanted to be? How are you feeling about it generally? Yeah, um, there's a lot, I think, to say, but I, I feel like um, there's been a lot of growth to happen, A, first of all. Um, I think on a scale, I would I would say, I don't know, upwards maybe of a five to six, because I think when I when we initially talked about the scale, 10 being like, you know, you're running this full scale business that you can step away from, um, and it's still just me, you know, running the business. But I think that mm. jump from like one to five for me, like I know when I came on the show, um, you know, I had never even thought of the concept um, before even discovering you guys of thinking of myself as a, a founder and a business owner. And so it was all very new to me. And, um, you know, I was kind of saying it through gritted teeth of like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm running a business, question mark. Um, <laughs> and now it's like, oh, no, I'm a full founder. Like you saw it on my LinkedIn, you know, you see it in my email uh, signature. And um, it's actually how I like you know, when I meet people, how I explain what I do. Um, so I think that is a big step in and of itself. Um, and, you know, I think there's still some work that I want to do in terms of being able to step away and, um, you know, to get some kind of uh, other like uh, passive income type stuff up and going so that I can step away. But for now, I'm very pleased with where it's at. I love that. Congratulations. I mean, 
Yeah, to say yeah, that you've surpassed what your goal was, you know, when we talked last time, that's that's a big deal. And you've clearly put in a lot of hard work. So way to go. Thank you. Well done. <laughs> Thanks. So let's talk about where your business is headed. Um, if we forced you to look a year ahead from now, mm-hmm. like, do you feel, do you feel like you're going to hold steady where you're at for a little while? Are you feeling good about where you're at? And you like, you know, you don't have to be a 10, right? I think we want to make that clear on the show just because we have this scale doesn't mean you necessarily have to be at a 10 where you have this agency and you're running this company with multiple employees. And, you know, that's kind of what a 10 looks like, but that's not the right fit for everybody. And we get that. So I'm curious, where do you feel like your business is headed over the next year? Right. Yeah. I think where I'm I'm at is I'm trying to think about, you know, do I want to pursue growth for growth's sake or yeah, like, do I want to just continue just with the same roster of clients and the same packages and things like that? And I'm kind yeah. of somewhere in the middle. Um, and I think that the way that I'm thinking about it is really last year was like year one for me. And that was kind of survival mode, just getting everything up and running. And for me, this next year is about like systems, getting things, you know, getting things organized and, um, Mm. you know, so things are just a little bit less chaotic from a month to month basis and, um, you know, consistent things like that. And, um, yeah, just being a little more strategic. So if there are ways that I can make my life easier, make the client work better, things like that is kind of what I'm thinking about. How does that strike you, Clay? I, I love the idea of like, you know, your first year is kind of your messy, do whatever it takes, eat ramen noodles kind of <laughs> year, right? And then and then after that, it's like, okay, now I got to, you know, clearly proof of concept. I've done sort of minimum viable. I've shown I can make some money doing this kind of stuff. Now let's dig in and, and build a strategy and figure out where this thing is headed. I think, Taylor, I think you were ahead for sure. Like just by recognizing that you have to do systems. <laughs> Um, yeah, I didn't really, I didn't recognize that until like years. (laughs) I was just like, I'm going to sell to whoever will buy whatever I'm selling and then I'll do the damn thing. Um, You didn't have our podcast to listen to Clay. So I know, right? Yeah, I, I, uh, you know, I get the dilemma though. I get the dilemma of like being in between. Now that I've been on both sides, as far as like whether you want to grow it to a, to you know an agency and grow it for growth sake, or being like smaller boutique, I don't know if that's what you had in mind, but that's kind of what I. Yeah, I kind I kind of think it's more, and not even I have kind of decided I definitely don't want a full agency. Like at most, I, you know, I might outsource some things, but I don't really want to, you know, run an agency, but more of just like scaling in terms of revenue like just trying to do it all and have this like highest growth type thing and mm-hmm. I'm I'm pretty like content with where it's at like I'm like it funds my lifestyle and whatnot but yeah. I do feel like this like kind of pressure in the entrepreneurial world to like always be building and growing and like doing the next thing and so that's what I'm trying to balance well I think that's great I think I think the now that I've so I've done the agency thing right like that was, there's pros and cons to that. I've done the freelancing things, pros and cons to that. I've done the kind of in between pros and cons to that. Now, I think the real flex is, because before I think the flex was how big of an agency can you, can mm-hmm. you make? And usually what that meant was how many employees you have, how, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? How many people on your team? Um, I think the, I think a 
the big flex now, which this is what I think it, ought, it should have been before, is how much can you do with as few people as possible mm -hmm. and stay happy? To me, that's a, that's a good flex. In yeah, I, I I think about it the same way. It's sort of like, you know, can I, you know, we talk about lifestyle business, right? And I, I lean on the on on the side of lifestyle business versus like mega startup where I have to go raise funds and things. I'm not interested in that kind of business for me personally because what I care about is like the lifestyle that I'm able to live in addition to working. Like, there's so much more to life than work for me. And so, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think uh, you know, having gobs of money is nice and we're doing fine, but we're, you know, I wouldn't say we're like ultra wealthy or anything, but, but also like I have some friends who are, who I would call pretty wealthy and they like have no time for their family. They have no time for their kids. They're always at work. They're always stressed. And, uh, it's just not something I want. Right. And so it is interesting to kind of, you have to figure out what you want. And sometimes that means, cause I've done the same thing, Clay, like you grow this big team and then you're like, huh. I mean, this isn't what I wanted. And then you kind of scale back the team and then maybe you grow it another time, like a different way. And I've, I've kind of had been on a bit of a roller coaster that way as well, trying to figure out like, what is the real perfect optimum setup for a business that keeps me happy and also is a successful business? And what does that mean? You know? Yeah, I, I agree. And I think uh, even from the get go, I've kind of been trying to build in that way so that I can have a lifestyle business, even though, um, you know, I'm so quite new at it. I'm just like, I've got to find a way to make this work. Um, and I'm very happy with that approach. And I do think it's, it's an interesting trend. Like I'm definitely seeing more people talk about it in my network and other people that are kind of running their own thing and their own little like mini agencies, so to speak. Um, they're choosing to kind of go that medium small route as opposed to something else as to, mm. you know, have time for other things and, and whatnot. So I, th I think it's an interesting topic. Yeah, for sure. I think during uh, the pandemic, a lot of people realized like, huh, there's more to life than just like waking up, driving into work, working all day, driving home, having dinner, watching TV, going to bed and waking up and starting over and doing it all over again. There's just more to life than that. And uh, and you can work and you can not only do work you enjoy, but also, you know, for so long, the thing was like, do work you love. And that is important, right? But but even working all day on something you love is to me still not as good as like working some of the day. Yes. On something that I love, but then also loving other things besides the work that I'm doing. And, um, yeah, so I, I love, I love the way you're thinking about it, Taylor. I think, uh, I think a lot of people are thinking about it that way too. Let's, can I ask oh, what, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I, I, I'm curious, like you said, you're putting systems together. Like I'm, I'm, I just, I'm curious on like specifically what you're doing to help like scale. Yeah. Uh, there's a few things really. Um, I think I like, uh, like a project management system, for example, it, it's been kind of complicated because every client that I have has their own content management system, whether it's Asana, ClickUp, um, Trello, Monday, like literally all yeah. of them. And so I kind of just work one off doing that. Um, and I would love to just have my like own like master system where I can see it all in one place. And mm. um, again, I think I've, I've been 
more reactive to just like when tasks come in, I do them and whatnot and less strategic kind of being able to step, take a step away and focus on, you know, process. Um, and again, mm. something that I am working on, um, it's still like not perfect, but creating more standardized like monthly packages so that I'm not just like doing all these one-off things and whatnot, you know, so there's a little more consistency there as well. Yeah. I, bet, I bet it's hard to juggle between different different uh, softwares yeah it, it's I'm kind of just used to it at this point um but I do it's one of those things I'm like I do think there's an easier way to do this um but I'm I've been kind of you know I'm, yeah. I'm very keen on AI and I'm like constantly exploring different tools that I can use and um you know I think that there will be something that can kind of again streamline it a bit better That is really interesting. Like we've well, talked in the past about systems and things, but one thing we've never addressed, and I'm sure lots of freelancers face it because I've had to deal with it before too, is that idea like, yeah, one client's on Asana, one client's on Trello, one client's on Monday, one client's on, right? They're like all over the mm -hmm. place. Um, do I make them, you know, come to me and do I make them all use my system or do I use their system? And I'm curious, uh, Clay, if, what experience you've had there and then, you know, Taylor, the thoughts you've had as you've been going through that and trying to decide what's the best approach. Because on the one hand, you know, a client might feel inconvenienced, like I have to log into my freelancers portal in addition to all the other stuff. I think there's pros and cons to both. So I'm curious what you guys think. Uh, yeah, for me, this this is definitely... I I... I know that when you move to monthly retainers, you can get away from that, you know, just like what you said, um, like organically you, you can move. What, what do you mean by that? Like, wh um, why does that move you away from that? Because you already know what you're doing, I right? See. So T Taylor, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like, like these, you're using, you're having to use these clients, um, project management software because they put in like, maybe they put in a request for something and then you have to log in there and like do it on an as needed basis. Um, not necessarily right? like actually both, both of my like two main clients, like it's a monthly basis, like where I have a set number of um, ones that articles that I'm working on and ones that like LinkedIn ghostwriting posts. Um, but it's how we manage the assignments, right? So it's like where they'll put the topic brief oh, and, and I move things along. Um, but yeah, it's two separate complete mm. platforms. Well, so, okay. So I think really the only real way to get away from it is like brand recognition, right? Brand authority. So I think as, as you build up your brand and then you become more inbound, like where people find you to work specifically with you, they're going to use whatever system you mm -hmm. tell them to use. You know, I think that's only the real true way. Mm. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. Like how, you know, earlier we were talking about that first year, you kind of just do what you got to do. This maybe falls in that category yeah. of, right? Like, it's like, I'm going to just work on whatever platform <laughs> clients want me on um, because they're paying the bills, right? But at some point you may switch over to where there's more demand than you can accommodate. And so you can start to say like, well, here's my process, take it or leave it. And part of that process would be, mm -hmm. yeah, using you know, your client portal or something. I don't know. It's really interesting yeah. because, um, you know, my whole team is contractors and uh, I found out just a few months ago that they're all like using all their own project management tools outside of the one that we use. <laughs> uh, like they'll take a task from, like I'll put it in um, 
what's it called? ClickUp. I'll put it in ClickUp or in Slack and they'll take it and put it like in their own like Trello or Asana or whatever. And they all have different ones. And I was just thinking like, yeah, there's really not a great way to do this. Right. Um, you either, yeah. When, when you're, when you're a freelancer, when you're a contractor, it's, it's a bit more complicated when you're working, when you're a, you got a W2 employee or whatever, you can just say like at our company, this is what we do. And they just do it. And, um, but it is definitely interesting as a, as a contractor. Yeah. And I think the, how I've gotten around it so far is at least like establishing boundaries of the platforms I will use and then won't use. So like I've hmm. I had one client that was working with me through like WhatsApp oh, and text kind of like around the clock. And then there was one like through email oh. basically. Oh, that sounds like a I basically, yeah, so I cut that out and I've cut emails basically. So as long as we're working through project hmm. management software, that's at least a, a positive step forward. Yeah. That's fair. I think if you have like five that you work yeah. with, you know, yeah. That's the you know I I I never found this solution, but whenever I was doing projects and stuff with people, um, one of the so this is just my experience from sitting on the other side of the table, right, being the client. I wish there was a way, and maybe it does exist. I don't know, but I wish there was a way for for like a client to be able to interact with um, like as a guest on a, like some sort of project tracker or whatever, without having to do create their own login. To me, that's been the biggest hurdle. Yeah, Cause they have to create an account with, with the software. Yeah. And nobody wants to create a, a you know, another right. account, right? It's there's always, they have multiple accounts. Nobody wants to create another one. Yeah. And so I was just like, you know, there, there, there's, like I know ClickUp can do this where you can add guests and stuff, but I don't know if you can I don't know if there's any software out there where you can you can make something uh to where it's interactive on a private um perspective where maybe it just requires like a like a password but no actual login. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree. That would be so helpful. And there are definitely software that you can do that with communication. Right, like I think of like um, like Zip Message is a pretty cool messaging yep. tool where you you can send a message to someone without having to have an account. I believe. I think you just, I mean, yeah. you do have to identify yourself somehow, right? But 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 the that best, doesn't work for like project management and stuff. So, yeah, no, the best I could find is like you can you can find there's plenty of software out there that you, where you can do it to where you create a client dashboard and it's viewable. So if they wanted to see progress in real time mm, they can just go right bookmark that link and but but they can't make a comment or anything yeah. right. right that was the best that was the best thing i could find um, i mean it's that part of the issue yeah. is the nature of software right like even if the, if you wanted them to be able to comment without logging in they're gonna have to put in like a name and an email every time which is also annoying it's tough it's a tough problem yeah the thing the you know what i defaulted back to because i I thought about it from from I, I reevaluated what reevaluated what I was do what I was doing because I think by default freelancers want to do and it totally makes sense logically freelancers want to do things that are easier for them right to make their projects go smoother from their perspective mm -hmm. and I thought hmm I think I want to switch it around how do I make it easier for the client. Mm -hmm even yeah. though it may be more difficult for me. 
And so I just, dude, I just defaulted back to email, like for the lowest common denominator, right? Everyone's got email. Because they all, yeah, they, well, I mean, like text messaging is a nightmare, but email can be a nightmare, but at least it's like, you can sort it, you can, you can, you can star it, you can do all that kind of stuff. Right. And it's searchable. Um, and clients, they're like, that's what they use every day. So they're used to, to using it. And so I just went, I just defaulted back to that. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying it's the best thing, but that's what was the easiest for my clients. And, and because of that, they, and I, and I just basically took all the email communication. And I organized it on my end in my own project management mm-hmm. software. Um, and because of that, my clients were like super happy Retention was high, churns low. I got tons of referrals. So you know, I don't know. You know what? Like, is a cool option. I've seen. I haven't used this, and not a sponsor, but uh, there's this tool called Drag App. It's dragapp.com, and it converts your Gmail inbox. I think it works with others too, but uh, it converts your Gmail inbox to a Kanban board, so like a Trello board Ooh. or a project management board. Ooh. So then you can like keep track of tasks that come in through email. I'm also thinking like you could also use like a like a ticketing system that would help you keep track of. And they wouldn't even have to know it's a ticketing system. But when they send an email to a certain email address, it would go into your ticketing system and you could sort of track the progress of that project or that request. And then you could yep. also, you know, include other team members and stuff. We do that with our customer service. So there are options, mm-hmm. but I but I don't know if there's, I mean, those are kind of just okay options. If you want really detailed capabilities, it is pretty tough. Taylor, what are you hearing over there? Yeah, I mean, I think it sounds like we need someone to create the perfect solution for us. If anyone has some <laughs> great go. ideas, there you go, Preston. There's your, there's your next like million. million yeah, I don't know. Idea. Go get, go get investors. Go. go get a board of That's directors. Right, yeah. Go get funding yeah. and a, and a ton of employees, and then you'll have your your perfect solution. <laughs> That's, is that all it's gonna take? Yes. Perfect. All so that your clients don't have to have a login. Taylor what else are you seeing as you're growing your business like what other hurdles are you facing as you look forward maybe to the next year and you say you know I'm going to figure out systems I'm going to see how much I want to grow what kind of hurdles do you do you foresee um yeah well something that you guys mentioned earlier that I wanted to to talk about was um because you were talking earlier about how you'd have to build like basically brand recognition and kind of like people coming Mm -hmm. to you for services um, your inbound strategy in order to kind of have a little bit more say. And I think that is probably my like key focus because again, I'm pretty set with my current client base and I'm not necessarily doing outreach, but I would love to have kind of a consistent options kind of coming to me so I could, um, you know, choose what's, what's next and kind of refine that. But, um, I'm a little overwhelmed, honestly, when thinking about all the different ways I, I could approach it and things I could do. Um, but yeah, definitely would love to get some help with that. You have any thoughts, Clay? I mean, there's so many, um, there's so many directions you can go. Um, what? So let let's do it this way. What in your gut tells you? What What does your gut tell you to do? Well, I think that (laughs) I'm like, I'm saying the answers as I already probably know them, but I think I probably need to have more of a presence on LinkedIn if that's where my clients are going to be maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's funny because it's like the kind of stuff that I tell other people in terms of how to like do LinkedIn. Well, I'm not necessarily following for myself because it's like not mm-hmm. a focus. 
Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I would love to, you know, focus a little bit more on SEO strategy. I mean, maybe you think otherwise, but I think that mm -hmm. that would be my next focus. What's the third um, thing? Third thing is, oh, a newsletter. But that's no, like, small, like, task, okay. obviously. So. What's the um, third thing? <laughs> yeah, I keep going all day. <laughs> I, 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 I have a purpose with this. Um, so what's the fourth, fourth thing? Fourth thing would be um, some kind of, uh, like, a digital course or, like, lead magnet, something to kind of get people in, in the door. Mm, okay, and then what's the fifth thing? Um, I don't know if I have a fifth thing. Okay, so the reason I I, I went I had you go through that exercise is because it's the the solution is usually not the first, second, or third mm. thing. It's usually the fourth, fifth, sixth thing okay. that you come up with. And it was it was interesting because the, what what you said on the newsletter. You said, what did you say? You said that would not be like not a small thing or something. Not a small thing, which means it's probably the most impactful. Yeah. And I'm not discounting the first three things that you said. Right. Like, and I'm not saying the first three things are easy or small, but it it's it just it's just interesting from your mind. That was the thing that you said about. The newsletter, which is the fourth mm -hmm. thing on the list. I think I, I, cause I love newsletters and I, I actually, I launched one on, on Beehive like a few months ago. Um, but I really struggle. Like I have like a bunch of different ideas for what it could be about. And it's like, is it, am I promoting my own personal brand? Am I like curating things? Am I just writing to prospective clients? Like, I just feel like there are a hundred ways to, to do a newsletter, right? And like, what actually makes sense? Like mm -hmm. pigeon, I didn't want to pigeonhole myself and just like focus on my ghostwriting services per se. Um, but I think I'm stuck there. Like I just kind of have ideas and I'm like, oh, this doesn't feel quite right. I think though, as you think back to like your journey in business, right, you didn't have it all figured out day one when you started. And over time, you've kind of refined your offering, you've refined your target audience, you've figured out the kind of work you want to be known for and, know, and the kind of work you want to provide. And it didn't all happen perfectly. And so sometimes we start these things like a newsletter or a, a brand on LinkedIn or something, and we worry that it has to be like perfect from day one. If you go back and look at you know, issue one of your favorite newsletters, they're probably pretty bad, <laughs> you know? Um, and so it's important, I think, to just, as, as they say in startup world, just ship it mm -hmm. or just get started mm -hmm. or just launch it and just like learn what you, because you don't know what you don't know at this point. And so sometimes only, the only way to figure out what it should be is to fig is to do all the things that shouldn't be, right? Or at least a fair number of all the things that shouldn't be. And then you'll be like, oh, yeah, no, it, it should look like this instead of this. Um, people yeah. open more, open the email more when I say things like this versus this. I mean, I've had <clears throat> had an email newsletter for 13, well, it's 2024, 14 years now. Mm -hmm. And I'm still constantly going, huh, okay, well, people react to that differently than I thought and we'll have to adjust like we're always adjusting. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there's power in just starting. Okay. Yeah, you need you need feedback. Yeah. Because otherwise, these these quote unquote good ideas or these bad ideas are just your it's assumption. 
Right. Yeah. And it's like, I know this to be true from other areas, but again, it's like when you apply it for your own stuff, it just feels different. But it's like, I think building a newsletter is like playing the long game as opposed to like, you're not going to get a quick hit and get five clients immediately and like, you know, be able to monetize it. How many people you got on your Um, list? Not a lot, like 200. It's basically friends and family at the moment. (laughs) Okay. Well, you got a shit ton of friends. Loosely. <laughs> I'm just saying. Because <laughs> I know I ain't got like 200 <laughs> friends. <laughs> I mean, I would say go send, send, send the first one out. Mm-hmm. See what happens. You never know. I, I don't know. I just, I think that's where I would start just based off okay. what you said. Um, I so I I think uh, it's important to remember the role of each marketing medium we can use too, right? They don't all perform the same function. To me, a newsletter is less um, brand awareness, like making people aware of you and your brand and your offering, and more like brand maintenance. It's like, oh, I really like the work that Taylor was doing. Oh, she has a newsletter. Yeah, I should definitely subscribe to that. Um, and then and you're reminding them on a weekly basis or whatever monthly basis. Um, the value that you can bring to their life or to their business. And and so I agree with you, Taylor, on the on the first two that you said, like in terms of discoverability, people aren't going to discover you through the newsletter. They will have already discovered you when they sign up for the newsletter. Mm-hmm. They're going to discover you when they search LinkedIn for, you know, um, ghostwriters or, or LinkedIn social media experts or whatever it is, or when they search Google for those same terms or when they ask a friend if do you know anyone that does or who does your social media content it's awesome right like those are the i think the entry points so i think it's important to keep in mind like the the sort of funnel journey that clients are going to have and um i think focusing on a newsletter is a great way to keep you top of mind i've really admired how clay has done this with his facebook group where he's posting all sorts of seemingly random things in that group just to keep it engaged and keep him top of mind. And of course, because I engage with those, then those are at the top of my feed every time I open Facebook. Right. And so, um, and so like he's done a really good job at that. And, and, but, but that's not how I'm going to discover clay. That's how he's going to maintain that relationship with me over time. I would, uh, I agree with you organically, organically. Yes. I I think you could run I think you could write a newsletter and still and get awareness. I you're not going to get awareness organically from it like to new clients. But what you do is it, let's just say you write a newsletter and it's called the best damn LinkedIn newsletter, right? Um what if you created a, an opt-in page for this and ran an, ran an ad and the ad said this is the best damn LinkedIn newsletter that exists. I bet you get some new leads. That's a great point. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that again, I'm, I'm learning over time, but it's like, I have no formal experience in doing really any kind of ads and even like marketing to some extent is, is new to me coming from a journalist background. So it's like, again, I'm just kind of learning on the Mm -hmm. go and, um, you know, trying to like take courses where I can and whatnot. But yeah, I think, figuring out that way to get subscribers in new subscribers will be like very key. So I think that's a great idea. I love it. Hopefully that's helpful, Taylor. Um, I think that's, I think you're thinking about the right kinds of things, right? Like long-term, 
you're out of the you're out of the just figure it out is this going to work phase and now you're in the okay what are we going to do long term and i think that's when it's important to start thinking about your brand some people think about brand maybe a little too early on before they actually figure out if the business model is going to work at all if people's going to if people are going to hire them if they're going to be able to pay them whatever you've already figured that out you're done with that so that's that's great or at least you're well down the road on that and so now it's like, okay, what's my brand going to look like? How am I going to stay in touch with clients? How am I going to stay in touch with prospects? How am I going to grow my awareness? And and awareness is always that top level of the funnel, right? And so the question is like, how am I going to grow that so that ultimately they come, a certain percentage of them come down the funnel and become paying clients? Right. Well, it's been a lot of fun chatting with you today, Taylor. Any, any last minute quick fire questions we can help you with? Anything on your mind? Um, I guess you, you guys kind of answered this already, but would love to hear your thoughts more just from even a, just a wider branding perspective in terms of like evolving over time. Like I know that you guys in your career has changed a lot, but I do think it trips me up thinking about, okay, well, what I'm doing now, is that viable, you know, is that what I want to do long-term or whatnot? Or I don't want to pigeonhole myself. And I think the answer is that I just need to you know, just do what I'm doing now and can evolve as I go, but just would love to hear your advice on kind of evolving your brand. Go for it, Clay. <laughs> I think you answered one question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, it. you are going to evolve 100%. There's zero doubt that you are going to evolve. Um, and you have to, you kind of have to, like the market changes, uh, consumer habits change, your passion changes. You know what I mean? Like it's, you're just going to evolve. It's a, it's a natural thing of business. Um, I don't know what else to say about that. It's just, you know, do what you do, what you're doing in the moment. And the, the only thing I will say is don't evolve just for sake of evolving. Right. Like to me, it has to be justified. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, for me, it's like, it's, you know, I used to think, oh, I need a one-year business plan and a five-year business plan. It, that's impossible. Like even a year is getting hard anymore, right? Because mm-hmm. it's just like Google changes one thing and your whole your whole client acquisition strategy has to change. Or LinkedIn changes one thing or, or LinkedIn gets booted out by some other new thing we haven't heard about yet or some new technology. I mean, there's just like, it's changing so fast. It's impossible for you to say, a year from now, I'm going to be doing exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Some, I, I think, I think not only does that pigeonhole you into work that you may not enjoy as much, which I can hear as part of your concern, yeah. but it also, I think, you put yourself at risk of like going out of relevance uh, and out of and and being less valuable over time if you stick to like I'm always going to be you know the LinkedIn social ghostwriter person. Right. I mean, that's you know that's. Mm-hmm. That's scary if you're not at least keeping your eyes open for other opportunities out there. Right. Yeah. I think it's this interesting dynamic. You have to, you know, you're like, you're trying to find as unique of a a niche you can without also, you know, again, like you said, being aware of other ways that it might change over time, which I guess is kind of what I'm thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. I think the key is just to listen to your clients, listen to to the the pool of potential clients, right? Be aware, hang out in places mm-hmm. that they are mm-hmm. when they have new problems that come up, think to yourself, like, is that a problem I want to solve for them? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do I want to build a software where clients can add tasks without having to log in? 
when you hear things that are <laughs> that are potential business ideas, you say like, oh, do I want to pivot my business to accommodate for that mm-hmm. that pain point or not? Yeah. And I think as long as you're aware, it doesn't mean you have to always do them, but you should be aware of them. Right. Yeah, just don't on, – on the pigeonhole, um, I just wouldn't brand yourself as a – something that's dependent on a platform or yeah others would argue others would argue this This is a debatable thing this is just my two cents like i wouldn't brand yourself as the linkedin content person yeah i agree what what happens if i agree you brand yourself as like a ghostwriter or a a strategic writer or a or just a writer or whatever Mm -hmm. who provides services right now in the linkedin space right Mm -hmm. yeah well, what you can do, because like people will, will argue and say, well, this is how you like create a, a, a niche or niche, however you say it, and this is how you stand out. I'm like, mm, no, that's just the vehicle that you're going to use. But like the way you're going to stand out is how you mm-hmm. drive, you know? So it's like maybe you're not just like a content writer. Maybe your content writer has a certain mm-hmm. style. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Right. That that's that's evergreen. Yeah. I don't no, know. that's Just yeah, that's very helpful. All right, Taylor. Well, it's been a lot of fun today. Why don't you remind people where they can get in touch with you if they'd like to hire you and uh, or, or connect with you in some way? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, of course, and Twitter at Taylor Cromwell, and you can find all my other links um, there. Taylor, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming back to the show. I've been Milo. I, I haven't been Milo. I've been Preston with Milo. And sometimes I sometimes I trip over my words. <laughs> but we're not going to edit it out. This is real, people. This is real life. I've been Preston with Milo.co. Also, Clay Mosley from GetDripify.com. Thank you guys so much and have a great day. Thanks. See ya. Thanks for listening to this episode of Freelance to Founder, a collaboration between Milo, Dripify, and the Poglomerate. You can find links to my business, Milo, Clay's business, Dripify, and of course, our podcasting partner, The Podglomerate, all in the description of this episode. Remember to call in for your own episode at FreelanceToFounder.com. A very special thank you to the members of the Milo and Podglomerate teams who work behind the scenes to make this production possible. To stream past episodes, visit FreelanceToFounder.com or search FreelanceToFounder wherever you get your podcasts. And that's it for now. Until next time, see ya. We will see you guys on the next episode of Freelance to Founder.